Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As always, we're on a journey together. Every week, we delve into topics that are important. They're important for us to talk about, to think about, to delve deeper on, because the relationships that we're building with our daughters are so important, and we can't do it alone. We have to make sure that we are working together to be able to learn from each other, to reach out, and to talk to one another, which doesn't always come naturally to men, but it is so important for men to do that. And that's what this show is all about. It's about you and I being able to talk, being able to learn from others that are on the show and be able to go on this journey together. And today we got another great guest with us. Martin OG is with us. And Martin is a father of a seven-year-old daughter. And we're going to be talking about his own journey in fatherhood. And we're going to talk about some other things too. So Martin, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm excited to be here. It's a very exciting topic right here. I'm really excited to have you on as well. And I guess first and foremost, I love being able to turn the clock back in time. So your daughter's seven, so I'm going to turn it way back. Let's go back to that first moment, that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Oh, man, I was uh, very nervous. The idea of being a girl dad felt very intimidating for me. Full, full transparency, I wanted a boy at first. But I love being a girl dad. I would not do any different. And I was nervous. But, you know, I, I talked to a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends who are girl dads and asked them questions, shared my fears. And, and the more I talked to my friends and, you know, I was like, you know, this is going to be great. And it's been an incredible seven years. It's been an incredible journey. Not easy. You know, I mean, she's still seven, but I feel like she's 18 at times. <laughs> the questions she asked me and her responses, but it's very nervous, but now I love it. I love every moment of it. Now you said that you were nervous and I think that every dad is nervous, whether you have boys and girls, but but when I talk to dads that have daughters, I think there's a level of nerves goes up a little bit more because it's that level of uncertainty, that level of unknowing and not living the same experience. And I hear over and over again that there tends to be some fear that goes along with that, some fear that is underneath the surface. What would you say has been your biggest fear in raising daughters, a daughter in society today? I understood, you know, that I'm going to have to develop a deeper emotional vocabulary for lack of better words. And uh, I also understood that the way I was raised would not work with a daughter. <laughs> I mean, culturally it was different. I recognized the need to be sensitive, be able to speak a language that she would understand. So that was scary for me. I remember my wife, she's an avid soccer player. We were playing soccer and she was playing soccer and I was watching her. And I remember leaving the parking lot or we we're about to leave the parking lot. And I saw this dad walking with his daughter. And I'm assuming she lost or didn't like how she played. And she had a major meltdown. And I watched the fear in the dad's eyes. <laughs> this is before I became a dad. And I was watching how he handled the situation. And his daughter was having it. I don't know what exactly was going on. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be my world very soon. 
But I understood the need to develop more depth for myself. And that was intimidating. I still have my fears, but my wife has been a phenomenal partner support. When I respond harshly or when I lack sensitivity, she tells me, not necessarily in front of my daughter, but afterwards, she's like, well, you need to be more sensitive here. This will not work. And when I listen, things go very well. I can't claim, Chris, I always listen, but when I do listen, things go well. So that was a big fear, uh, developing the emotional depth and vocabulary to be able to communicate in a way that I believe will be helpful. You said that sometimes raising daughters is not always easy and there's probably some ups and downs. And as you said, sometimes your seven-year-old can be an 18-year-old at at the same time. What would you say has been the hardest part in raising your daughter thus far? There were things that came easy for me. School came pretty, like in the pandemic. Oh my goodness, Chris, I felt like ripping my hair out because she wasn't at school. So she was home and she was going to kindergarten at home on Zoom. And oh my gosh, Chris, I would try and help her. Okay, so do it this way. It was always a battle, always a fight. And the common phrase you would hear in my household was, Daddy, you're not being patient. You're not nice like my teacher. I'm like, well, I'll be nice if you listen. (laughs) But I think probably the hardest part is school's a little bit more. She's very, my daughter's incredible, social, smart. Earlier on, she didn't really like sitting down. I mean, the pandemic was hard on every kid, but it was hard for her. And being patient and working with her, I found that incredibly challenging. My wife was great with it. I've grown in it, but it's still a challenge, the patience, because I'm like, okay, well, it was easy for me and it's not. She's different. We're completely different people. I can't expect her to be like me. So I need to be patient. And that's probably the most challenging part in raising her so far. And I know she's only seven, so there'll be many more opportunities. <laughs> If you ask me the same question 10 years from now, I'll probably tell you a different answer. It definitely does change as life goes on and as your daughter gets older. I've lived that myself, so I understand that. And you've had seven years with your daughter. And I'm sure that throughout those years, like you said, you had a few that were in pandemic mode. We we understand that. What would you say has been your most memorable experience that you've been able to share with your daughter thus far? During the pandemic, when we were all home and we didn't know what the what was COVID and trying to figure out everything. I would take her every day to right by the, we live close to the, it's called the ball, just, you know, not a beach, but like right by the bay. And we would go there and we would just spend time, just me and her. We throw pebbles and try and make the pedals bounce in the water. And that was, it was just a sacred time between me and my daughter. And we just talked. And I remember one of the times, you know, the tide goes high and low and we had hopped on this big rock and we were having such a good time that the tide ended up going higher <laughs> and we couldn't make it back out without getting completely wet. And we just stayed on that rock and, and all that, uh oh, now what's going to happen? But that was so memorable because we figured it out together. Some people were like, hey, do you guys need help? We're like, no, it's fine. I can swim. And then we made it back and I think it was very bonded times. And at a time of a lot of uncertainty in the world, it was those sacred times away from the chaos outdoor by the water. And we just spend time, pictures and a number of things. And, you know, those are very memorable. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is the fact that I know that for you, you grew up in a foreign country and then moved to the United States. And being of multiple cultures yourself, how do you share that culture with your daughter who has always lived here and is a part of the the U.S. culture, the California culture, 
And how do you enculturate her in your own heritage? I'm Nigerian, born in New York, and then grew up in Togo for seven years, no, 10 years, Benin for seven years. Then I moved back to New York and I was set to go to Temple University. I got into the business school. Then I moved out to the Bay Area and never went back to the East Coast. So I considered New York a different world than California. <laughs> and certainly living in West Africa and Togo and Benin, different world, right? So, you know, try and make sure that, you know, she is in communication with my grandparents. Thank God for technology. You know, we do video calls and accent is different. I talk to her about the food. I talk to her about how I grew up. And I can tell she has no idea what I'm talking about. It's literally a different world, right? <laughs> Sometimes you may be able to hear a little accent, but I try and talk with a much thicker accent and she laughs at it. We were supposed to visit Benin right before the pandemic. And then once that hit, I'm like, no, thank you. I will not be in a plane for 23 hours. No, I'm good. So I tell her a lot of things. My wife is not happy that I don't speak more French with her. I need to do that. So I talk to her about language, the food, how spicy it is, how hot it is. <laughs> Chris, every time I complain about being hot, she's like, Daddy, you're from Africa. You should be able to handle this. <laughs> she always says that. So I just, you know what? We're supposed to go next year so she can actually see it, see it, feel the humidity, taste the food, hear me of the music. I don't feel like I do it justice. It's such a different world. She'll be shocked. You'd be shocked to see where I grew up. I was fortunate enough. My father was a successful businessman, so he was wealthy. So we had it good. But I certainly want to show her other parts of the world that is not so that's rough. But that's something I my bucket list to take her there so she can actually see the thing, the stories I tell her. When you go there, will you go to both Benin and Togo or just to one? Good question. I think Benin. So I'm Nigerian, but my parents live in Republic of Benin, a French country. So when we go, we will be going to Benin, but it wouldn't hurt to take her to Togo, but it's really not much in Togo. So I don't think we're going to do that now. Probably just Benin. Stick with Benin and make the best of the time. Today's episode is brought to you by Flowblend. Have you been fighting to break your nicotine addiction? I've talked in the past about the importance of focusing on your own health so that you can be in your child's life as long as you can. Flowblend is a company that has created pouches that are made by a father himself to help all dads break the habit of nicotine. Over and over, Flowblend clients talk about breaking the cycle of nicotine after years because of this amazing product, and it could help you too. Quitting nicotine is tough, and it really helps to have a tool that makes it easier. And now you have Flowblend to do just that. Get 20% off your Flowblend order by using the code DADSWITHDAUGHTERS at checkout. Find out more about Flowblend at flowblend.com. Now, I know that you are a pastor, and in that work, I know that you have to be engaging with a lot of men and working with men in, in different ways, different dads in different ways. Can you talk to me about your work as a pastor and what you've learned in the work that you do? in your work with men, in how you've, one, tried to help them in the journeys that they're on, but two, some of the struggles that they continue to struggle with and what you are doing to try to help them? Yes. It's a very, very common topic, theme, discussion, countless. Now, one of my good friends, Phil Rydine, he, you know, one thing he's shared with me long before I was a kid, 
I mean, before I had my own kid, my own daughter, he said, the greatest gift you can give your kid is a great marriage. And that always stuck with me. And so we have a very diverse church, phenomenal group of people. And I try and connect with people, but really understand their story because our story impacts how we see things. Our background impacts how we respond to things, even our parenting style. So we work and we help each other. It's not like I just try and help. Like I'm telling them my own challenges. I don't believe in just speaking. I'm the same. Absolutely not. I let them know the rough times in marriage, the rough times in parenting, when I got angry and felt like I wasn't patient. So there's a lot of back and forth and where we help each other. But the common theme is having the humility to learn and study your kid and don't try and enforce certain things that maybe how you grew up and say, okay, well, because I grew up this way, I have to implement the same thing because that usually doesn't work very well. Because <laughs> oftentimes you're, our kids are opposite of us or have different instincts. So it's really being humble enough to learn. That's what I, I try and work on. Like, let me understand my daughter. Let me understand her, understand her strengths, her weaknesses, gently try and teach her. But also, even though she's younger, let her know my weaknesses, my struggles, my fears, and then have a solid, close-knit community where we help each other because we are all learning. No one has it all figured out. So creating that culture is very helpful. And that's what I try and practice myself and also teach the different men I interact with in our congregation. When you're teaching men those tenets and you're trying to help them in those ways, what are some of the things that they struggle with most when they're trying to implement that for themselves? One common thing is trying to lead without vulnerability. And what I mean by that is trying to appear strong, trying to appear like, okay, we have it all figured out. I'm the strong dad that has it figured out. Let me show you the way. That hasn't worked in marriage for me, and that, uh, <laughs> that doesn't work in parenting either. <laughs> so a big thing is actually parenting through humility, parenting with transparency, parenting with this is what I'm going through, parenting with, hey, this is what I was like growing up. This is what helped me. These are the bad choices I made. These are the lessons I learned. Allowing our kids to know that we're not perfect and we are in the struggle together. That's a big thing. That I try and talk about. Appreciate you sharing that because yeah, it is definitely something that, you know, being vulnerable is something I've talked about many times. And I think that many men are raised to think that showing vulnerability is a weakness. And the older that I get, the more dads that I talk to, the, the more that I father my own kids, the more that I see that you have to show vulnerability, especially if you have daughters. But even more so if you have sons. And I don't have sons and I'll own that. But the fact is, is if you don't show vulnerability and you do have sons, you're perpetuating that myth and you're perpetuating the idea and the norm that men should not be showing vulnerability. I completely agree with you, Martin, that it is so important to, to be able to practice that, to learn that it's not going to be easy unless you grew up in a family where that was shown to you. But even in the media around us and the things that we see, that's not something that is valued in our society. And it's not something that you're given in, we'll say an attaboy for doing typically, unless you have a good group of friends around you or a good pastor beside you that is going to encourage that. 
And I'll continue to encourage all of you to do that along the way. Now, Martin, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? I'm ready. In one word, what is fatherhood? Adventure. It's the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter. I'll tell you one story. First time my daughter's fish died, cried and cried and cried, and I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> I know, don't say, oh, get over it. Let's get a new fish. I knew not to do that, Chris. <laughs> so I watched the whole thing. And then, you know, we've had a number of fish that died. But the last time her fish died, Chris, I felt like I was prepared. I'm like, okay, have nothing planned. Just sit with her. So I'm like, hey, Erica, I'm sorry, your, your fish died. And then the tears just came. And I just sat down with her, stayed with her, and let her cry, let her ask all her questions, and then didn't rush her, just stayed calm. And when she felt at peace, then we were able to move on. That was one of those times I'm like, yeah, you did it right, Mark. You did it right. So not the deepest of things, but I, I do remember just letting her be, feel everything she needed to feel and just sitting there and shutting down there, all other responsibilities to be there with my daughter and just help her navigate the loss of a fish, which she will go through more losses in life, but preparation. Definitely understand that. We've had that many times in our own family where we've lost animals and you do have to just kind of be there and be present. And there's many other experiences, not just in loss, where a lot of times as a dad, you just have to kind of button up the mouth, listen and be there and just listen and not try to fix. Because so many times, as we've talked about in the past, men rush in and they try to fix things. And our daughters, our significant others don't always want that. They don't always want us to fix things. They a lot of times want us just to listen. So just keep that in mind. Now, Martin, if I was to talk to your daughter, how would she describe you as a dad? <laughs> Chris, I like your questions. We got to hang out some more. I like this. She will certainly say she loves hanging out with me. So like, that is fun. That is silly. That is not patient. <laughs> She'll probably say that. She like, that's just not very patient. What my daughter loves spending time with me. I hope that stays the same when she's a teenager, but right now she just lo loves it. And she will, you know, say I'm a fun, silly, that she enjoys spending time with me. She wants more time with me. And she will say, well, if that has to work on one thing, it has to work on being more patient. I think that will be what she will say. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? I have a lot of great dads I look up to. But you know what? For the sake of time, I'll share one guy, my friend, Scott Moala. We became friends. He kind of mentored me when his son was like three. And I watched how he fathered his son and how much he served at home. And as I watched the little things he did, how much he allowed the time with his son to be sacred. He didn't let all the business and chaos of life get into that. That really inspired me on my own. That's important. He's probably the first guy outside of Jesus and the Bible. You know, the Bible talks a lot about being servant, but they're one of the first guys I saw, like really just served and really put his desires aside to help his wife, his kids be great. So he'd be one guy, but actually I'm lucky enough to have a number of fathers who inspire me, but I'll just stick with them. You've given a lot of piece of advice today, things that other dads can think about. But as we finish up today, what's one piece of advice you want to leave for every dad? You know, I think, Chris, it's something you elaborated on. Vulnerability. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. 
Don't be afraid to be messy. Fight the urge that every father has to fix things. And I'm learning that in order for me to have the courage to be vulnerable, I can't run from any unfinished business in my life. So if we have unfinished business, things that we run from, it's, it will impact how we are because they may go through things in life or they will go through things in life that may trigger the unfinished issues in our life. And then we're not, we will not respond well. So I think it's important to tackle the things in our life that make us feel vulnerable so that when opportunities come, arise to help our daughters or sons, we can be there and don't run. I think I spent a lot of my younger life trying to run from my unfinished business. And I'm learning to tackle those things head on because it actually prepares you to be present when your significant others or your children are going through things you can actually be there and not have to run away from or try and hush them up. Hush them. And when I shut down my unfinished business, then I can't hear yours. Or I'm either hypocritical, harsh, superficial. Not one really want to hear it because it reminds me of my stuff. So I think that's a big thing. Be vulnerable and don't run from your unfinished business. And we all have things in our life that are not fun, easy, that when we tackle it, then we can actually be present. Well, Martin, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your own journey today. If people want to find out more about you, is there a great place for them to go? Chris, it's really enjoyed our time. And if people want to find out about me, I mean, I have enough people trying. <laughs> I'm part of the Bay Area Christian Church. and we have our services all around the Bay Area, but you can find a lot of what we do on uh, deepspirituality.com. There's a number of articles I've written and a lot of other people have written. There's deepspirituality.com. BACC.cc has a number of live streams that I've done some and other people do. And I'll just leave it at that. And I know you're in Michigan. I, I know you have listeners all over. Tim Taylor is one of my friends. He, he lives in the Bay Area. He knows about me. Well, Tim is definitely one of our past guests. And I appreciate you mentioning his name because he's another dad with a daughter and does a lot of great stuff talking to other dads as well. And Martin, again, thank you so much for being here. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Chris. I enjoyed our time and let, let's stay in touch. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best 
that you can be Be the best that you can be